killer robots, the stuff of science fiction, but it's becoming all too real. There's a race for AI and unmanned weapons that could change the face of warfare. In this special report, we look at how the Chinese regime is harnessing its vast reaches of data and turning it into a weapon, where that data is coming from, and how Americans are unwittingly lending a hand. Welcome to China In Focus, I'm Tiffany Meyer. Drones, they're popping up everywhere, from delivering goods to filming fancy camera shots for vloggers to speeding up delivery times. But they're also being used to hunt down people. Zhejiang University, uh, a major military technical university in China, has perfected uh, self-guiding hunting drones that are able to navigate their way through a bamboo forest to find their targets, uh, and they don't need satellite navigation. The drones are able to do that through something called swarm technology. Arthur Herman, senior fellow at the Hudson Institute and director of the Quantum Alliance Initiative, explains exactly how it works. It's teaching drones how to mimic the behavior of birds in flight or bees in a swarm or this is why it's called swarm technology. And just as we are able to, we, we are always marveling at the way in which birds all seem to sort of fly in a spontaneous formation, avoiding hitting objects and turning and twisting together in numbers that run into the hundreds, right? When you see them, it, it's, it's an amazing sight. Well, just imagine being able to do that with small drones operating in a similar swarm formation, moving almost simultaneously and spontaneously and twisting and turning in different directions to go out and seek their target. But there are fears those drones could be used to kill. Imagine each of those drones is carrying a weapon. It's carrying a bomb or is carrying some kind of lethal device which it is able to deliver on target and that is able to, in the process, then overwhelm any defenses that are set up to shoot down one or two or even a dozen drones coming in on the, on the attack. Facing off against a killer pack of drones versus just one of them also makes the devices harder to defend against. Because you're dealing with drones that are now coming by the, by the, by the hundreds in this sort of job, overwhelming your defense, your defense systems. Uh, and no matter how many you shoot down, one of them will get through and carry out its deadly mission. With that kind of weaponry in mind, where do we begin in learning to defend against it? Rick Fisher, senior fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center, describes what the U.S. is doing to combat swarm technology. We're working on the development of uh, uh, mobile, low-power to high-power laser systems and also microwave systems that can disable swarms of drones. Microwave energy would essentially fry components, uh, circuitry within the drone and cause it to fail. Now, as for how these advances would change warfare. Uh, artificial intelligence combined with uh, machine learning and uh, uh, unmanned systems, be they in space, in the air, on the surface of the sea, under the sea, or on the ground, uh, all have
tremendous potential for uh, uh, expanding uh, the scope of warfare, uh, allowing commanders to put machines out in front of uh, uh, soldiers and, and, and lives, but also to vastly accelerate the pace of warfare. And in this race, no one wants to be left behind. What we colloquially call drones, the Defense Department and military experts call them unmanned platforms or unmanned systems. They represent the future of air power. Um, they represent the ways in which control and dominance over the air domain in the future will be will be dependent. And right now, the race for airspace is on. Both China and the United States are working on enabling their fifth generation pilots and even four plus generation aircraft pilots to control what we call loyal wingmen. These are unmanned aircraft that uh, can fly far more violently, far, be far more maneuverable than a manned aircraft, can carry uh, payload, uh, bombs, uh, missiles, anti-aircraft missiles, and uh, they're expendable. How does that translate to use in a mission? If, if a pilot can send out four or five, four or five loyal wingmen in front of them to uh, fight an incoming enemy squadron, uh, that squadron has to uh, fight these unmanned aircraft that are probably much more maneuverable and because of artificial intelligence are, are probably thinking faster than the pilot. Uh, and that's, that's a great advantage. And with these advances come risks. Artificial intelligence and self-learning uh, program, if you, if you will, uh, in, in just the sort of software confrontation levels of combat that we, we face every day, cyber warfare, uh, electronic warfare, uh, even, even political warfare on, on social media, uh, programs that are powered with an, an artificial intelligence or an ability to learn are able to overcome their adversaries far more rapidly. That adaptability could spell danger for an opposing side. And with technology packing that strong of a punch, lagging development means high risk. The consensus right now among U.S. experts is, is that China's got something of a lead on us, which is ironic because, of course, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning technology really originated here in the United States. But it also depends on perspective. In terms of the individual pieces of technology, uh, we're probably slightly ahead to pacing what the Chinese are able to produce. The real emphasis, though, is on the commitment to invest in all of these technologies across the board. Some areas are farther ahead of the game than others. The U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Navy, however, are investing heavily in unmanned combat systems that can be enhanced with artificial intelligence. But I think we're pacing the Chinese. We may not be ahead of them. Uh, they're definitely very close. Even Google's former CEO has weighed in. Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google, has said that we, are, we are, uh, have lost ground to the Chinese and that we can pretty much expect the Chinese to maintain leadership in this area. And that's worrisome for so many different reasons. Among those reasons, privacy is near the top of the list.
of the most important issues that relies that all of this uh, information technology and the new advances that have taken place in the last couple of decades really raise it. And that is the issue of privacy. Who's going to have access to data? Who's going to control and manipulate the data that feeds artificial intelligence technology that is supplied in abundance in our wireless technology, including future wireless technology like 5G and then ultimately 6G. And there's a difference between how the two main players have been going about it. First up, communist China. Because of the ubiquity of artificial intelligence as a technology for surveillance, for uh, military and weapons systems, uh, as well as for as, as a commercial technology in terms of providing an analysis and access to data. For all these kinds of reasons, the Chinese have just been going at it absolutely breakneck speed with no sense of restraints. Meanwhile, in the U.S. We still are caught in, are entangled in a debate about is artificial intelligence and machine learning really an ethical practice? Is it the kind of thing that we really should be investing large amounts of money? Is there a danger that we're going to create you know, autonomous machines that will take over from uh, their human creators and human users? Are we going to end up with, a, with a, a situation in which the machines not only are smarter than we are, but know it? And therefore, I sort of say we can dispense with these human beings and let's just carry on things and, and run the world for ourselves. Those debates, while important, could derail us from the AI race, a race that if we lose will have consequences. While the Chinese feel no such, no such compunctions, do not worry for a moment about the ethical considerations with regard to artificial intelligence and its use for surveillance, for police, uh, for, for developments in police tactics and operations, let alone military operations, um, has given them a big advantage. But how is the Chinese regime getting that edge? Let's look at where China is sourcing its vast data trove. China has found that among the key enablers in its uh, acquisition of the data that it needs to run its big AI programs are American companies, that they're very happy to pass along this information and pass along data because they don't think anything about it. You know, it's just, uh, it's just numbers, it's just information. But what might not seem significant can make a major splash when enough of it is put together like pieces of a jigsaw. That's when a bigger picture appears. That even information that we would think about as being fairly insignificant about, you know, about where we go for lunch every day. That all of this is, these are all small pieces of what becomes a large picture, a large strategic picture, when it's put through the artificial intelligence mills as a way to understand what's going on and to gain a, and to gain a, a larger panoramic picture of where, of where their chief adversary, the United States, is and what's happening. Given that advantage, how can the U.S. counter it? The most important ish ethical issue right now is keeping a country like China's hands off of our data. That's the way in which not so much what our government will do with it, but what they're doing with it and what they continue to do with it. Besides blocking Beijing's access to our data, Herman lays out two more steps that he says will help the U.S. We have to realize that 
um, that the commercial applications and developments of AI are already here. We can't put the we can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. It's already underway. It's already taking place. Given that, the next question is: How does the government? How does our defense and national security establishment channel those artificial intelligence applications and technical know-how in ways that bolster our national security? Um, what are going to be the key ways in which we can keep up with and eventually overtake China in terms of its development and applications of artificial intelligence? But countering this level of technology isn't a one-man game. Sometimes the best way to tackle an issue is through calling in reinforcements. In this case, that means teaming up with allies. We cooperate with our allies. Uh, we assemble databases uh, on, on enemy systems. Uh, uh, the, the F-35, for example, it constitutes almost a military alliance in itself because of all the shared systems and all the shared training that has to take place. But the F-35 is enabled largely because of a global database that is constantly updated every day and uh, shared with our allies and other F-35 customers to ensure that aircraft is, is at its peak performance. But with new developments and smarter, faster AI, how will the race to weaponize it play out? Will the U.S. maintain an edge or fall behind? We can't put these artificial constraints on ourselves uh, based upon some, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, rise of the machines future scenarios that uh, that that we can we, we think might be possible in the in the remote future. And what happens if the U.S. does fall behind and American data lands into an adversary's hands to do with as they please? As experts point out, there's a balance, a way to maintain our privacy while still advancing our know-how. And as time goes on, those advancements are becoming more necessary to make sure our private data stays private. Coming up, more protests are breaking out in Shanghai and Beijing as people speak out against the draconian lockdown measures there. Those gathering range from residents to college students and include both Chinese citizens and foreigners. Learn more after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Shanghai is easing its lockdown measures, but some residents are still confined to their homes, even after two months stuck inside. The extended stay-at-home order now has some locals, including a number of foreigner residents, starting to rebel. Groups of them in several neighborhoods have been spotted breaking out of sealed gates to escape in the last week. Let's take a closer look. Over 100 residents gathered in their neighborhood in Shanghai's Shuwei District over the weekend. They removed the chain sealing the courtyard's entrance on Sunday night, then walked to the neighborhood committee's office to protest lockdown measures. Despite the police force on site, residents demanded their freedom to leave their homes. The next morning, residents were able to enter and leave the area freely. <laughs> Some took photos and videos celebrating their first free day since the lockdown began. 
But the celebrations were short-lived. Authorities resealed the entrance not long after. Days later, on Tuesday, in the same district, residents from another neighborhood broke out of the barrier surrounding their community. A number of Italian citizens were among the group. Four police cars responded to the scene, aiming to stop locals from leaving the area. Soon after, a car from the Italian embassy also arrived on site. That's when police packed up and took off. After the officers departed, residents could go out freely. Also on Tuesday, a protest sparked in another neighborhood in the same district. Residents there, including foreigners, participated, and the neighborhood's lockdown orders were later lifted. Zooming in on China's capital of Beijing, a number of protests erupted in universities this month after some schools tried to block students from leaving campus. Under pressure from students, universities later allowed students to return home. That's just days ahead of the anniversary of one of China's most sensitive incidents, the June 4th Tiananmen Square massacre. University students in Beijing marched on Tuesday to reject their school's attempt to stop them from leaving campus. The school is called Beijing Normal University, or BNU. Even though all courses have been shifted online, the school is still confining students to campus. More than 100 students marched in the protest parade on campus, waving flashlights. A poster for the event sparked buzz online. It features four bold Chinese characters translated as United Together BNUers and shows a slogan in the background that reads, Let Me Go. It also lists the students' demands. They requested that the university clarify if and when they can return home and said there should be no accountability and punishments for students who joined the march. During the event, students confronted both the police and school officials, asking for permission to go home. Just one day earlier, students from another college, the Chinese University of Political Science and Law, organized a protest for the same reason. The college since approved the students' request to leave campus. Successful protests at two other colleges in Beijing earlier this month likely encouraged students at more schools to speak out. According to BNU students on site, their school verbally promised to let them leave, a vow many students caught on video. Colleges across China have adopted many rules to combat COVID-19 campus-wide. That's in accordance with China's zero COVID-19 policy. In one university earlier this month, despite 20 rounds of virus testing without a single new infection case, the institute still opted to close its dining halls. Later, it offered to allow students to go home. Over in Shanghai, students at Tongji University were even required to get hall passes to use the restroom. That's despite them being locked in their dorm rooms at the height of the outbreak. The Chinese regime has fortified its virus policies nationwide. Though many scholars have cast doubt on the country's strict lockdowns and question whether the measures have scientific backing, the head of the World Health Organization recently criticized China's zero COVID-19 policy. But his comments appeared to get censored in the country and quickly disappeared from social media. A former Chinese professor also pointed out another aspect, saying the ramping up of rules may be related to something else. He noted that an upcoming date, June 4th, marks a sensitive anniversary for the Chinese regime. That was the final day of the 1989 Tiananmen Square protests and the resulting massacre.
At the time, unarmed college students gathered in the heart of Beijing to ask for democracy and uncensored access to education. But the Chinese Communist Party responded with a bloody clampdown and sent out military troops to open fire on demonstrators. The Secretary of State gave a long-awaited speech Thursday explaining the Biden administration's China policy. What did he say and what questions still remain? NTD's Iris Tao has more. Despite Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the U.S. is making clear that China remains the greatest threat to world order. Even as President Putin's war continues, we will remain focused on the most serious long-term challenge to the international order, and that's posed by the People's Republic of China. In a Thursday speech, Secretary of State Antony Blinken articulated the Biden administration's China strategy in three words. Invest, align, compete. That means to invest domestically, work with allies, and outperform China in key areas. The goal is to defend global rules against China's behaviors. We cannot rely on Beijing to change its trajectory. So, we will shape the strategic environment around Beijing to advance our vision for an open, inclusive international system. Blinken also called out Beijing's unfair trade practices, human rights abuses, and aggressive actions in the South China Sea. That said... So he's was pointing these things out, but not giving any real sense or concrete uh, specifics of what you're actually going to do. Grant Newsham, a senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy, says Blinken failed to outline specific actions. The Chinese communists would listen to this and say, OK, and you're not, that's all? You're not going to do anything? But we're going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And Blinken notably said the U.S. is not seeking a cold war with China, adding... We do not seek to transform China's political system. Secretary said we don't want to change the Chinese communist system. Well, the Chinese are sure out to change ours. And you didn't see any real sense of urgency or concern. The Secretary of State did not mention how the administration will handle trade disputes or whether it will lift the Trump-era tariffs on China. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Iris Tao, NTD News. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin gave a keynote speech at the U.S. Air Force Academy's graduation ceremony. He told the class of 2022 to promote international partnerships in the face of threats from hostile nations. And in the Indo-Pacific, it's helping us to counter aggressive behavior from the People's Republic of China, which our new national defense strategy calls the pacing challenge for the U.S. military. Referring to Russia and China, Austin said certain countries are testing the values cadets have sworn to defend, adding that the power of teamwork is central to American strength. The graduating class had to endure the COVID-19 pandemic during their time at the academy. But Austin said it has lived up to its model, strength and sacrifice. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching and see you tomorrow. Every once in a while, something comes along so masterful it leaves you in awe. So inspiring, it changes your life. So beautiful, you wish it would never end. When that happens, it's something not to be missed. Shen Yun, 
an all-new production every year. performance was enchanting. I feel better about the world. I feel uplifted. It touches you. It really does. The expertise of the dancers was really, really strong. To know that it was live music was really fantastic. We didn't want to miss this. Make sure you see it. Have to come. Life-changing.